welcome to Motherhood and Making Money. My name is Kerry Gillett. I'm an award-winning social entrepreneur and the creator of the Mubo Business Accelerator Launchpad. But in this house, I'm best known as Fred's mum. Each week, I bring you episodes on building a business around your busy family life and interview people who are doing just that. So more of us can feel educated, inspired and drive our business forward to secure our family's financial future. Let's dive in to today's Welcome to Motherhood and Making Money, a place where we talk all things family and finance and what it really takes to start and grow a business as busy parents. I'm your host, Kerry Gillett. I'm an award-winning social entrepreneur who spent the last eight years creating business accelerators for big corporations that have helped thousands of people to start and grow a business. Today, I'm joined by Laura Tier-Jones, who was a podcaster and life coach who started her own business after being made redundant in the pandemic. She is super passionate about helping overwhelmed and burned out women to work on what matters most to them. Hello, Laura. Hello, thank you for having me. Oh, thank you for being with us. So today we're going to talk all about your business journey to get this business up and running. So shall we start by talking about what made you get started, kind of what position you were in when you you came to start this business? Yeah, sure. So I started my podcast during lockdown, I think when people were in the kind of banana bread phase of lockdown I was kind of like I can't bake so I need to do something else so I started my podcast um a good use of time (laughs) exactly Um, and it's something that I'd wanted to do for a while so maybe it was kind of I don't know the push that I needed Um, and my podcast is called my hormones my health and I set it up because I wanted to talk more about kind of hormone issues and health issues because that's something that I live with and there's still so much taboo and stigma around periods and mental health. So I wanted to just kind of, I don't know, amplify people's voices a little bit. Um, And then at the time I was working as a weight loss coach and I loved my job. I absolutely loved being with people, speaking with people, coaching, but I did feel like I was getting a little bit bored of the conversations about losing weight all of the time. Mm. And then in December of 2020, I was made redundant. And as heartbroken as I was, I do believe that if that hadn't have happened, then I wouldn't have actually gone self-employed because it was, it was you know, I think as anyone can relate, it's a leap of faith, isn't it? Yeah. But I just remember thinking... I've got this huge passion for hormones and health. I've also got the coaching skills that I've, you know, acquired over over six, seven years at the time. There was kind of only one obvious thing to do, and it was to combine them. Um, and so that's that's really how Tia Jones Coaching was born. And it was very much a kind of let's just play with this and see how it goes. It was never a kind of five year plan type idea. It was just a do you know what, let's just dip our toe in the water and see if we can make some money out of this. You know, is anyone actually going to pay me for it? I think the pandemic gave a lot of people that chance to try something that they hadn't done before. So I suppose starting that podcast up was a good kind of like toe in the water to thinking, you know, could, is this a thing? Could it become a thing? And just starting you off and getting you on that right track. 
Yeah, definitely. Because the the podcast was only supposed to be uh, a project. You know, it was never supposed to be a means to an end. You know, it was never a way of kind of selling coaching or anything like that. And I just wanted to be able to talk about my condition, PMDD. And what I quickly found is that there were a lot of people who wanted to come on the podcast and talk about their PMDD or, or similar conditions, um, conditions that kind of come with taboo and stigma. Um, and I think that for me really kind of propelled me because it made me think people people really want to talk about this stuff. People have voices and they're just not I, either feeling like they can use them or they're using them and not being heard. Um, and that's when I kind of started to think more about self-compassion and I'm a believer that if we need if we work on stigma and taboo of kind of mental health and periods that needs to start from the inside and that kind of starts with self-compassion and you know remembering that you're not less of a person because you have a, a chronic condition you're a person with a chronic condition but that's all that's all it's not it doesn't make you less of a person and you still deserve self-compassion. And I think if we can treat ourselves with self-compassion, that's only going to have a ripple effect. Mm. And that's how stigma gets broken down because we fight for ourselves. Yeah, so, yeah. absolutely. When you were, you were, you know, made redundant, thinking about starting, you know, thinking about having this chance of starting this business up, how confident do you think you were feeling about the actual process of getting the business up and running? Oh my goodness. I almost laugh when I look back because I just remember having this almost obsession with, I have to have a website. I cannot possibly own my own business without having a website. (laughs) And I think that was the imposter syndrome, wasn't it? And me just kind of picturing what I should have. Mm -hmm. And I just remember thinking, tax, I don't know how to do taxes. I don't know how to do a business plan. There were so many things that I didn't know how to do. Um, and then I just kind of did them. So I Googled most things, you know, Google business plan, free template, that kind of thing. Um, I just, I I had zero confidence and I think I just had to, in my mind, treat it like I did the podcast, you know, it's just a project to work on. Let's see what happens with it as opposed to, yeah, I need to be making X amount by this time. It was just kind of like. I'm being made redundant anyway. So let's just let's just see where this project takes me. Yeah. And did you think of the podcast as almost like some kind of market research? Because having that podcast project out there and like you just mentioned, having all these people who wanted to come forward and talk about their experiences is like building, starting to build that community. So did you see the business as almost an extension of that as being able to serve that community in an additional way like you mentioned earlier you didn't start out thinking oh you know I'm going to do a podcast and launch this but when they started to come in do you think that really built your confidence or helped you build confidence with the business yeah it definitely did I think it kind of elevated me a little bit within kind of the community because because of the podcast people would come to me on social media and ask me about the condition Mm. about PMDD um and so that in itself made me feel like okay people trust me enough to ask me about it you know the next step would be that they pay for you know coaching conversations so I was kind of like all I need to do really is just continue to kind of elevate my service what I'm offering people 
mm. so that there's, there's value to it and that they would want to pay for it. Yeah. But yeah, the podcast was probably the, the one of the best things that I did, really. Yeah, I think starting off with something like that is often a lot of the things that we see um, in in our business is that people have done what you've talked about. They've done the checkbox. They have built a website. They have got an accountant, they, a bookkeeper that they probably don't even need. They yeah. know how they're going to submit their tax, but they haven't thought about how they're going to get customers like oh so this lead generation part is usually the last thing that anyone thinks about and that podcast kind of put into motion your lead generation before you had thought about having the business so I think that was probably a really fantastic way of making sure that you had something that you could get out in front of an audience whether they knew you or not on a regular basis and and then bring people towards the business instead of starting with the business first and thinking of the lead generation last so I mean top marks to you (laughs) (laughs) for getting it going now you've mentioned confidence and we've talked about uh, briefly you know about those tick box exercises but what do you think was the hardest thing that you had to overcome when you were thinking about getting this business off the ground I think one of the hardest things actually is price points yeah and I just it's one of those things that I've always been quite rubbish with um I have clients telling me oh maybe you should charge a bit more and there's obviously a danger that if you're not charging enough people are going to think oh is she any good because she's not charging very much um, and it's it was two two reasons for that really for me. And the first one is I maybe don't recognise my worth. You know, I think we all we all have that. And I think when it comes to actually putting a price on our own services, that's so hard to do. And I think another element for me is because of the the passion that I've got around women's health and hormones, I'm too aware that support for for health issues just isn't there there's like no access to it um and so for me it's an affordability thing and I know that there are there are some coaches for example that would do kind of like an eight-week challenge and that that's that's great for me I, I think I prefer kind of a longer term sustainable relationship with my my clo- my coaching clients um, and I guess my kind of feeling is if I charge a little bit less, you're going to be able to afford to stay with me for as long as you need rather than for as long as you can afford. Mm. But then that in a way is my crutch for not charging more. It's such a big thing. Uh, Pricing, I think, is always a big thing for women in general. Money, Mm -hmm. I mean, that's why we started this podcast, is always a huge thing for, for certainly our clients. But my, you know, my friends, everyone that we talk, yeah. we talk to, so problematic. But I think particularly in the coaching industry, it mm-hmm. is again another thing because, like you were you were mentioning earlier, you know, there's this perception that if you don't charge enough, people will not see value in it. Mm-hmm. And sometimes that is, you know, that has come from the fact that we've we've got involved in this model where everyone raises and raises and raises, and suddenly you can get to a point in some industries. You look at business, but particularly if you're not charging five to ten thousand pounds it's not worth it but 
I know lots of people are doing some great things that are far less than that than that amount of money. So it's a really difficult place to be in because particularly if you're in containers or you're working, you're in different communities, you can be really shot down for taking that approach where you're thinking, well, actually, I want to provide that something that's a little bit different and it can still have value, but it doesn't need to be, you know, I feel more comfortable pricing here. And I think particularly if you're looking at longevity and building lengthy relationships with your clients, then it sometimes can be better. Sometimes we don't want anyone to undercharge, but it can sometimes <laughs> be better to, you know, think about that long term rather than the short fast make money quick get it out kind of model yeah definitely it's a difficult one to juggle with I'm sure many people will identify yeah so we talked really about your personal experience um I was going to ask you how you chose your your business idea but was the like the podcast and speaking to people and speaking to that community was that something that made you think there's a coaching opportunity here yeah, definitely. So the condition that I live with is called premenstrual dysphoric disorder. Um, and very briefly, it's an extreme, extreme version of PMS. So it's probably something that a lot of people deal with. The official statistic is one in 20, which is quite a lot of people. Yeah. But again, you've got the period shame, you've got the mental health stigma. People don't talk about it. It goes undiagnosed. It goes misdiagnosed as something else, which means the treatment is then not quite accurate and so there's a huge kind of one thing after another thing there that it's just going wrong for women and they just need more support so I've you know I've had counseling before I've had therapy I've had different types of support and I've always felt like none of them were quite the right fit Mm. and I think for me coaching around a health condition is an interesting one because I'm not medically trained but my approach to any medical or chronic medical condition is the same. So that's whether PMD, PMDD, whether it's MS, whether it's something else. It's all about learning to live with it mm. rather than fighting against it. And I think particularly when it comes to hormones, we fight about against them so much. Even people, you know, with normal menstrual cycles, they don't, we, we all kind of see our period as like a bad thing and it's mm. oh, due on. And I think if you can get into that mindset of actually learning that your condition is a part of you, and it might feel like a, you know an all-consuming part, it might feel like a teeny part of you, but it's it's part of you just like your hair is part of you and your nails are part of you. And I kind of wish that I'd have had coaching available to me when I was first diagnosed and first learning about it, or even before then, even without my diagnosis, because therapy just like I say it wasn't quite the right fit for me I didn't need therapy Mm. but it was kind of the closest thing if you like to to what I needed um and it's only as time went on that I realized that coaching would have suited me better and there are a lot more kind of women's health coaches now yeah than there were which is which is fantastic and I just think it's it's needed so there's the space for everyone you Mm. know um so yeah it was definitely something that at the time I kind of thought this this is this could be really big you know people could really benefit from it and then as I started to kind of work more and connect more network more 
you feel like, oh my goodness, I'm like a, a little tiny fish in a big pond, actually. And there's there's a lot of people doing this already. And they're so much better than me. They're so much more qualified and experienced and everything else. Uh, and actually, we don't need to think like that. And a huge learning that I've had recently is all about kind of scarcity mindset and how, uh, as particularly as women, when we see other women doing something kind of in a similar um, industry to us, a similar sphere to us, the danger is we panic, we see them as competition and we fall into the comparison trap and think, well, they're doing that, I should do that. And I'm failing because they're doing something better than me. And actually that scarcity mindset and what I'm kind of unlearning is that there can only be one woman in charge. And actually it's all of us. We can all do this. There's room for us all in this industry. And sometimes I do think maybe we need to think a little bit more like men because men don't tend to have that same scarcity mindset. They still see competition, Mm -hmm. but for them it's more of a positive driver as opposed to something that really makes them kind of shrink back into themselves. Yeah. And so I, I challenge myself now and kind of think, mm, would my husband do this? Would my husband make that same decision? He probably wouldn't. He'd probably just go for it. So that's kind of something that I think, right, okay, well, I'm, I'm going to try and do that because, yeah, there's room for everyone in this industry. Oh, yeah, absolutely. We'll talk a bit on that um, uh, again in a second. I think it's a massive thing for people at all stages of business. It never goes away. Um, but one of the big things we teach in our one of our accelerators is – flipping your kind of like mindset from seeing competition or as a reason why you can't do something so not looking at that overcrowding just like you were saying and seeing it as proof and possibility so if someone is out there and they're really successful that that means that's available for you as well so it, it it should give us or can give us the impotence to actually move forward instead of stopping if we just change that thought, which I know is really difficult sometimes, but we're all capable of doing it. <laughs> we just need to be reminded. Yeah, absolutely. So what kind of things when you're giving yourself those like talking to's, wouldn't my husband do this? What kind of things pushes you like into taking action, do you think? I guess it's asking myself the question, can I afford not to do this? you know because if we go right back to when I first started my business sure I could be applying for jobs and things like that but actually going self-employed meant that I could make money today in this moment and I had to make some money you know I was I was redundant I was kind of like what do I do it's middle of a pandemic I can't get a job in you know a restaurant or something like that because they're all closed and so to me now it's that kind of you have to try. You have to push yourself out of your comfort zone. And my kind of New Year intention for, for this year actually was to um, push myself out of my comfort zone. And what I kind of say to myself is, if I would have said no to it previously, I say yes to it now. Um, yeah. And it's dangerous. It's terrible. because <laughs> so I'm just saying yes to everything. That's um, how I met my partner. <laughs> <laughs> Not allowed to turn down any dates, and you've never got rid of him since. <laughs> it works, so yeah. If you'd usually say no, say yes. Just just flip the habit, and don't think about doing that. Just do it. Just think because that's probably the issue in the first place is you're overthinking it. Yeah. So just just change your mind basically and see what happens. Choose differently. And, yeah. Just be yeah. like, let's have have a go. Yeah. Did you have any help or support when you were starting up? your business did you find any 
useful communities, be it free or or otherwise, that helped you build that confidence to get going? I think, yeah, there were a few people in particular that really did have an impact on me. And so these were people who I'd met from the, the PMDD community and the kind of hormone space where we, we were friends and, you know, I would talk to them regularly. And then when they found out about my redundancy, they were kind of like, so you're going to go self-employed then? And yeah. I was I was just like, oh, you know, I don't know. I don't know what to do. And there were certain people who just really pushed me. And if it wasn't for them, then maybe I wouldn't have d- done that because yeah, right. I needed somebody to have some confidence in me because my own confidence wasn't there enough. And these are actually women who, again, were already working in the women's health industry and they were really inspirational to me. And I have a bit of a, a saying, and I remind myself of this when I kind of go to like networking events or I'm, I'm feeling like that little fish again. And the saying is, remind, uh, be in, in spaces where you're not, feeling like the best person in the room because mm-hmm. if you feel like you're the biggest or the best person in the room you're never going to learn anything from the other people around you so go into a room knowing that it's a room full of opportunity to learn as opposed to people who are just either better than you and you can't reach that level or you're better than them just see it as opportunity and I think the people who I was working with and kind of friends with at the time they were really kind of they were just great examples of women in business mm. and women's health advocates. And it made me realize that that was needed for PMDD specifically. Yeah. Um, and so I would say that, yeah, the, the community, the, the women's health community generally is fantastic, but specifically there is definitely certain people who were just like mentors to me, um, big sisters to me and that they were fantastic yeah it's like a don't be afraid to ask for what you need moment isn't it when you you've got to um go out there and find it I think I certainly resonate with that I live in a we were just talking before we started recording but I live in a particularly rural area so online was really important to me because in my local kind of spaces you know I'm not going out to things and for me traveling to like networking involves quite a trek um to travel to something that's suitable for the kind of thing I do is like a full full on day out um so you know that kind of stuff was an addition so I had to come up with different ways of finding those communities to dip into at different stages of the business even now to get what I wanted and also not be afraid to just ask for what I needed in the moment because I yeah. see loads of us who d- who just don't do it you know just there they're lurking we try and be helpful but sometimes you just need to say I'm feeling like this or I can't do this or I'm really looking for this and you get delivered what you what you need yeah, 100% <laughs> I think there's so many um questions especially when you're first starting out but I think just generally, actually, <laughs> in life, it's, you know, we, we we never have all the answers. And a bit of a, a motto for me, and it's something that I said right at the start, it's something I, you know, I would say to my clients now is you don't need the detail. You don't need to have it all figured out. You don't need to know how to do your taxes yet because we're not at that date yet. You just yeah. need to know that you need to keep a record. You know, that kind of thing. And yeah. 
And I also remember somebody saying to me, well, to be a coach, you don't need a website. You just need to coach somebody. Surely that's all you need to do. You just need to do the verb. Yeah. And I thought that's so right. that you know, the website and everything else was the the comparison trap. Yeah. Um, but actually all I needed was a person in front of me who I could coach and then I could call myself a coach, you know. Mm. Yeah, it's really funny. The website one is <laughs> it's always hilarious. And I tell everyone this story, but I have a outside of the work I do with the social enterprise, my husband and I have a business and it is an events business. And it started off as just like a catering company about 10 years ago, probably. And we paid a fortune for this website, right? And it was like all singing, all dancing. It's still up, still looks great, fab. I love it. Um, and I was like, you know, we're selling reasonably high-priced weddings. So people are going to want to see examples of what we've done and photos and how things are set up. And they're going to want to know about your amazing kind of career in chefery, cooking. I don't know. Like, they're going to want to know all that stuff. So we're going to make it look real snazzy on this website. People are going to love it. And then about a year later, when I was looking into data, because she loves to geek out, I was like, no one goes to this website. Nobody goes to this website, but we're booked up. Like we're booked up years in advance. So where are they coming from? Oh, they come via Facebook. They find us on a social media platform, wherever, wherever the platform may be. They come over to our Facebook and send us a message because Facebook Messenger, I suppose, seems very intuitive for people. And we have done weddings where we have billed thousands and thousands of pounds and we have never had a conversation with the person ever. And we are feeding all the people on probably the what they think will be the biggest day of their lives. And they're like, don't want to talk to you on the phone. Like, I want this, this and this. These are the times. See you soon. How do we pay? <laughs> like, if I could tell myself 10 years ago not to spend thousands of pounds on sorting this website and putting it out, but you just don't feel like you've got your crap together unless you've got an internet home. <laughs> it's so funny, isn't it? And yeah, my, my own website, I'll be honest, it was kind of rushed because, you know, I needed a website. Um be honest I don't like it yeah it's currently being revamped and I'm really excited about the revamp because it feels so personal to me now um it's got to the point where I don't even give out my website details to anyone so if anyone's curious where they can find me just go to Facebook don't go yeah. to my website because yeah. the website doesn't really reflect me it doesn't reflect my services or anything like that it's so yeah. funny how yeah how we get so bogged down in a website because it's just seen as something really flashy that you need to have and yeah you really don't <laughs> it's not a big deal and actually you're better off doing it later when you've worked out what you're going to be offering like when you're thinking about lead magnets and having the podcast and stuff you're going to be so much more able to work out the flow that you need to have a successful website that works for you and converts your customers if you've actually gone through the process of getting them seeing what they need seeing how that needs to lie just setting up like three pages that say I do this and I do this <laughs> not really what you want in the grand scheme of things yeah. so <laughs> I'm forever tinkering with mine and, and everyone in the team goes have you been on that website again I'm like oh well I thought we might need this <laughs> she loves a late night alter <laughs> the worst thing and this is where the true meaning of a little bit of knowledge is a bad thing years ago when I had to teach myself to make it now I know how to go in and do all the um fiddling around so uh, of course, yes. I'm like don't don't do it Kerry the girl who does our website she's like she's been on it again <laughs> can't help myself so one of the things that before we wrap I'd 
I'd like to ask you is kind of like touching on that hormonal aspect in juggling all the things and we've talked briefly you mentioned about burnout and being overwhelmed how have you managed you know with balancing the need for you know having this ongoing um health condition having increased demands on what you need to do at times I mean I'm a believer that sometimes business is better for you than a job um in the day but how has that kind of like pushed through for you and how do you enable yourself to work but also look after yourself in in that way I think as much as I love being self-employed I do feel like it's really the only option for me now because Mm -hmm. you know I've done kind of office jobs Monday to Friday nine to five and they just don't agree with me they don't agree with my condition whereas now I can easily just, I can record a podcast or I can have a client. And then if I need to, I can go for a nap Mm. for my next client. And when I'm with my clients, I give, you know, 200%. And I think the type of person I am is I love to kind of go full, full pelt ahead and then it tires me out. But that Mm. actually works, works really well for the type of job that I do because it means I can give my all and then just kind of recuperate afterwards. And yeah, it is hard. And I think I need to call myself out on this, actually, because I am a coach for the overwhelmed and the burnt out. You know, I think my typical client is like a working mom who's trying to do everything. And I think I need to say that I'm not a coach in overwhelm and burnout because I'm an expert in those things and I can, you know, magic it all away. I'm coaching those things because quite simply I understand and I get it. And it is hard and I don't get it right every time. I think the things that work most for me are having people around me to support me and asking for help. And I know people say this all the time, you know, don't be afraid to ask for help. But they say it takes a village to raise a child. And I think that's so, so true. If you're trying to raise a child and then you're also working and if it's your own business, I don't know, there's a bit more responsibility from a work point of view. You know, if I don't work, I don't don't get paid at all. You know, I lose business. So I think do rely on other people. But the main thing I would say, and this is where all my clients kind of come together on this, I always say it doesn't matter what your goal is. So if your goal is to have a business, great. If your goal is to become healthier or fitter or to just learn to accept your hormones, it doesn't matter what your goal is if the self-compassion isn't there first. Yeah. And so if you are feeling like you're spinning all these plates and not spinning them very well, if you feel like you're failing in everything because you're just not quite able to do everything right, or anything right because you're doing so much I think that's the time where we need to step back and just give ourselves some grace and acknowledge how much we're trying to do yeah and you know I've talked a lot about the comparison trap and how we shouldn't compare ourselves to other people but actually if you compare yourself to the next person you might think gosh actually I'm doing a lot you know and it's really really important to acknowledge that everyone is different so people might make things look easy doesn't mean it is easy Mm. so give yourself the grace to kind of go do you know what I'm trying really hard like what more can I do so yeah be practical about it get the support from other people and 
try and have schedules and things like that. But what it all comes down to is is that self-compassion and the the patience with yourself. Because if you haven't got those, then everything else is going to go to pot anyway. Absolutely. I couldn't agree more. It was fantastic hearing more about your business, Laura, and also hearing about your podcast. Can you just let people know where they can find the podcast, find out more, find out more about you online? Sure. So the podcast is called My Hormones, My Health, and it's on all streaming sites, so Spotify and Apple Podcasts. And then you can find me, if you really need to go to my website, you can go to tiajonescoaching.co.uk. But otherwise, just search for me on social media and I'll come up. That's Laura Tia Jones. We will find the links and put them all in the show notes for our <laughs> podcast as well. So when this is going out, if you're listening to it now, you can go to the Motherhood of Making Money website, click into the blog and find more details about Laura and what she does. Thank you ever so much for joining me today. It's been a lovely, lovely chat. And I'll be back with another episode next Monday where you can learn more about growing a busy business as a busy parent.